0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode on A Better Tomorrow. I'm Tuha, one of your hosts. Today, we invited Lilani from Coral Triangle Center, an independent nonprofit foundation that aims to promote the conservation of marine biodiversity and the sustainable management of coral and marine resources across the Coral Triangle. We discussed the importance of coral reefs and the state they're in right now, why we need to take urgent action They're escape rooms that help to educate people about marine conservation and the impacts of mass tourism in Bali. We hope this makes you feel inspired to take action to save the oceans and to travel in a more responsible way. Now let's start the episode. So hi, Leilani. How are you?
1: Hi Tua, I'm good. Um, been working from home since March and getting the hang of it. Uh, it's uh, weather is great here in Bali, so it's not the best, not the worst place to be stuck in. <laughs> Definitely not. This time, so. <laughs> Definitely
0: not. Well, thank you so much for joining our podcast today and explaining more about the important work that you do. So, how about we begin with a little introduction of yourself and Coral Triangle Center.
1: All right, Um, my name is Leilani Gallardo. I'm originally from the Philippines. Um, I moved here in Bali in 2014, so almost six years now. And I work as the regional communications coordinator for the Coral Triangle Center. And the Coral Triangle Center is a nonprofit foundation based here in Bali, but we have activities all over Indonesia and the rest of the Coral Triangle region, which includes. Malaysia Philippines Papua New Guinea Solomon Islands um, and Timor Leste so I handle the communications part of it um, basically handling our, our our activities that reach out to different uh, people and stakeholders partners um, across across the, the
0: region Cool and can you tell us a bit more about the, your vision with Coral Triangle Center.
1: Um, well, let me talk about Coral Triangle Center's vision. <laughs> so CTC's vision is um, a healthy seas that enrich people and nature, um, and our mission is to do to be able to do that. Our mission is to uh, build the capacity and train uh, generations to care for our oceans. and how we actually get the spirit of um, delivering this kind of work, which is quite, quite long-term. And if you, if you see it, it's such a big picture that sometimes it seems so challenging. So what we, what we, um, our mantra right now is to inspire people to save oceans. And then that brings our work more closer to our heart and closer to what we do every day. And that is, in essence, um, what the CTC wants to achieve, is to inspire people to save the oceans with the various programs that we do. Um, we work on training, capacity building for marine protected area managers. Um, we work with scientists, basically, to support marine effective marine protected area management here in Indonesia. We work with women leaders, local government, private sector, and of course, the general public, um, tourists who come here to Bali, and at the same time school children and the academe, and pretty much everyone who is interested <laughs> to help save the ocean. So um, we don't limit ourselves to the stakeholders that we, uh, that we target, but we try as much as we can to inspire as many people uh, through our work. So yeah. that's it.
2: Yeah.
0: And why are coral reefs so important for our future
1: um, well coral reefs are important first because they're uh, they provide habitat to millions of species underwater basically if you go i don 't know if you guys are into snorkeling or diving and um, once you basically see what 's going on under underwater it 's such it 's like a it's a teeming city. It's like a <laughs> a city on its own. There's a uh, so many so many fish, so many marine animals, and all kinds of uh, creatures living in the cities. And the coral reefs are basically the building blocks of the cities. Like if you're um, underwater, the coral reefs are the buildings. Um, they 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 provide habitat. They provide nursery ground. It's where the the fish and all kinds of marine animals mate um, you know, reproduce, eat, um, live, go about their daily business. and um, if coral reefs are destroyed, all these marine animals that depend on these underwater cities will basically disappear. we will lose. So that is the main importance. And then second of course, is the importance of um, coral reefs to to the planet. Um, it helps. Of course, regulate ocean ecosystems. Um, it's a vital part of making sure that the 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 food chain uh, in the in the in the marine environment is um is well managed, it's regulated um, because <clears throat> you know like you cannot have uh, apex predators like the, the big animals without the coral reef. So it goes from smallest uh, fish going up higher and higher. And of course, um, coral reefs are very important to people. Um, a lot of millions of people depend on coral reefs for their livelihood, um, directly depending on them. Especially here in the Coral Triangle, we have almost 260 million people directly dependent on fisheries or coastal resources for their food. They live along the coast, so that's where they basically get what they eat every day, and also that's what what gives them. Um, and also what provide provides them for their life, but what, what things they can sell to earn to earn money to feed their families and to provide for their basic necessities. Um, so basically there's a lot <laughs> so there's a lot of of, um, of, of um, how do you call it a domino effect. If we destroy coral reefs, like the animals that depend on it, regulating the marine environment and the planet as a whole of ocean, the parts of the oceans and the people. And then, of course, the economic impact eventually. Um, um, Coral reefs provide billions in tourism uh, revenues for different countries who depend on tourism, marine tourism, for example, jobs. Um, So it just goes on and on. on. So um, basically, coral reefs, they may be small. (laughs) Or they may be corals are small and tiny animals. But then, of course, um, as they build reefs and then it grows and then large ecosystem that goes on, the, the, it, the
0: impact is
1: bigger and bigger, actually.
0: Yeah, they're vital for our planet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. for the people and the planet. So for the people <laughs> and the planet, exactly, yeah. yeah. So we read that more than 27% of the world's coral, coral reefs are already lost. What has caused that?
1: Um, so many things. Um, depending on what study you actually look at, the varying rates of like um, how much of the coral reefs has been destroyed. Um, like you know, you can go from twenty, thirty, fifty, and all these doomsday scenarios. But um, one thing is that this destruction happened in the last fifty years. Um, so the rate of destruction just. Basically, accelerated in the last um, 50 years, and of course that is that has a lot to do with um, human human impact. So we have destructive destructive fishing. Um, that's when um, people overfish or use uh, fishing gear and fishing techniques that actually harm the reefs. Uh, then you have, of course, climate change, um, that is causing coral bleaching in different parts of the world. And some coral reefs survive, some don't. So that is something that really um, has become one of the major threats um, to coral reefs. Then you have pollution. Um, a lot of sediments coming from land actually get washed off um, to the sea. And it ends up in the coral reefs. And of course, that kill, has killed a lot of uh, coral reefs, especially was in the shore. And then we have unsustainable um, tourism practices or <laughs> what you would call like um, practices where, where people who do not know better um, go into the reefs and end up stepping on them, dropping their anchor on the reefs, breaking them. And you know, reefs take years to grow like, or even thousands of years to grow. So if you see a coral reef that is like a couple of of, of meters, that reef may be already 20 or 30 years old. So once it's destroyed, it's quite difficult for the reef to rebuild to that size. So yeah, those are the, I think the top five threats um, as identified by scientists uh, to coral reefs. Yeah.
0: And you mentioned coral ble- like bleaching. Could you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Um, coral bleaching is basically what happens when um, there's warming, uh, warming, warming waters, and the zooxanthellae or the, uh, the algae that um, lives in the coral reefs, coral reefs, corals that help the coral get its food and also provides its colors, um, become so tense and leave the coral reefs. So then the corals um, are are left to fend for itself. It becomes white, so it doesn't have coral color anymore. And then it cannot feed itself, so it has difficulty feeding because the, the algae that was up there helping it, helping the coral feed, but get its food is gone. And if it continues like that for a long time, a coral reef, the coral will eventually die. Um, if if the if the if the warming temperature uh, sea temperature comes out, like it doesn't stay long. Um, uh, the, there's a chance that the coral reef can recover, um, the algae comes back and it's able to, to grow again. But in some cases, such as I think the Great Barrier Reef, uh, where the, the uh, coral bleaching is so intense, some reefs just cannot survive and uh, eventually die.
0: Yeah, that's really sad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's
1: um happening again this year actually and we don't know much yet because um it happened um, the bleaching scenario predicted by uh, the national oceanic um uh, the Ocean- national oceanic um, oceanographic agency of the us predicted that um, it will happen during the first um uh, two quarters of this year, but that was also during the lockdown, so a lot of scientists were not able to go and do some surveys or look at what's happening in the reefs, so we're hoping that not so many reefs are affected, but we've been getting some reports, like for example, in Malaysia and the Philippines, where quite a lot of um, shallow reefs have been already bleaching uh, the last two three months.
2: And Lelani, what is the current status of the coral reefs in Indonesia, for example? Um,
1: Coral reefs in Indonesia are actually quite resilient. Um, They've had in the last um, how many, the last uh, coral bleaching episode, uh, three or four years ago, I think, um, there were some Episodes of uh, there were some reports of bleaching, but at the same time They were able to recover right away, especially those that are inside marine protected areas So that means the human activity are controlled in this area. So the coral reefs have the ability to, to recover right away um, Indonesia is um, of course there's a lack of data if you say like in terms of like health of rate of health for global uh, coral reefs in Indonesia in general but Indonesia is trying to uh, protect um, its reefs by setting up marine protected areas all over the country and so far it has um, protected uh, 23 million hectares of coral reefs uh, by setting up all these marine protected areas all over the country. And its goal is to basically protect more by 2030 and to reach 30 million hectares of um, ocean that is protected by 2030. So hopefully this kind of strategy will protect coral reefs and at the same time make them more resilient to to threats like um, climate change and other
0: human activities um, that are affecting. Yeah. And another thing that we would like to discuss is plastic and how 8 million tons of plastic waste ends up in the ocean every year. So what does Coral Triangle Center do to combat plastic pollution?
1: Um, well, <laughs> it's, uh, thank, thank you for asking that. So that's something that um, we've been working on um, for the last couple of years, uh, plastic ocean plastic pollution is certainly um, one of the most is an it's an emerging threat, as we say. Um, it's the on top of all the threats that was already there <laughs> in the last um, you know decade. Then we now have we're facing plastic pollution. And um, just so just a little bit of background is that um, there was a study a few years ago and. The science scientists found out that um, when corals um, get snagged in plastic or plastic gets snagged in corals, it increases their chance of getting diseased diseases. So, like by ninety percent. So corals who get entangled in plastic or they're most likely to get diseased. And if it continues, they will eventually die. So. Given that um, CTC is working to raise awareness um, on plastic uh, ocean plastic pollution, and one of the ways that we found uh, <laughs> would be kind of effective to help people change their behavior, uh, basically to reduce reduce their uh, consumption of single use plastic and at the same time ensure that they don't go into the ocean, is to uh, engage people through games for change uh, what we call it and one of that is through our escape room and we've just recently developed our second escape room and it's all about uh, ocean plastic pollution and um, yeah it's in Bali and unfortunately it's uh, (laughs) um, during the pandemic so we're hoping to open it um, sometime this year, around September maybe, and then through this kind of um, awareness program where basically it brings the issue closer to people who might not be aware about it or might not know what to do with, um, with, with they might be aware about the issue, but they don't know how to change their behavior so that um, they can, uh, what's this, contribute to the solutions. So, Hopefully, through this kind of, of very, how do you call it, engaging and immersive learning experiences, we are able to um, reach out to more people and fully inspire them to change their behaviors with regards to plastic consumption, single-use plastic consumption, and um, helping f- uh, What's this? change uh, daily habits uh, with regards to plastic. Because it really starts with, the individual at this time, we believe, like <clears throat> by by raising our, our awareness amongst uh, individuals, we hope that um this plastic pollution issue will be um, there will be there will be a big um, shift in in mindset and uh, behavior as well towards plastic
2: these uh, escape rooms that you mentioned sound like a really fun idea for people to learn more about coral reefs in general can you tell us a little bit more about the escape rooms and also on the current response that you're receiving
1: uh so the escape room on uh, focus on plastic is called SOS Plastic Danger, and it's already our second escape room. Uh, the first escape room that we launched was uh, two years ago. It's called it was called uh, SOS from the Deep. Um, SOS from the Deep was is is the very first uh, marine conservation themed escape room in the world, and we're very proud to be able to uh, deliver this type of uh, outreach and program to, to the public here in our Center for Marine Conservation in Bali. We've had very, um, we have, we've had great response and people, it's, um, it's a mix because we, we work with the different sectors. And so we have all these marine scientists and MPA managers who are so much into their science and very technical. And then they come into the escape room and they, they, they it blows their mind because the way that the, the, the information and, and is presented and laid out through a game. An escape game is very is very innovative and very um, very fresh um, for them. At the same time, we have this um, tourists, students, general public who don't really know much about the technical side of of marine conservation or coral reefs and all that. And they come in and they they first. Get attracted to the to the game because they like escape rooms or they like playing this kind of um immersive immersive uh yeah immersive games. So they come in and then they get introduced to to all these issues um, that can go really deep about the state of coral reefs, the threats, the solutions, and they come out of it really really happy and also like really like you know surprised and. Somehow, really inspired that this kind of game can actually bring in um, the kind of content uh, into into the <clears throat> into the mix. So we have the we have appreciation from both sides, from the technical and as well as the general public that have played the game. It's just a fun game in the end. So <laughs> even yeah, you don't have to think so much about issues. Like you learn about the issues at the same time. You just have a great time. Uh, it's a uh, it's that our first escape room takes 1 hour to play and a lot of people have uh um, uh like beat the buzzer really but there's also a lot of people have uh, uh finished way way in advance of the time um and um yeah it's 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 been great so far that's why we're making a second one <laughs> and hopefully uh, and this one is really all about plastics the first one was a lot about uh, was mixed about coral reefs um marine protected areas a little bit about fisheries and a little bit about plastics and the second one is just really all about uh, uh, plastics in the ocean and how to change
2: behavior with regards to sounds like a really fun experience
1: <laughs> it is Danielle. we hope yeah. you guys can actually come and visit us
2: um, yeah we'll be- i would love to i've never been to indonesia so i think i would definitely visit the escape rooms yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to ask how do you ensure that those that visit the escape rooms continue to be active in learning more about marine conservation how do you ensure that they continue with this mindset
1: mm, yeah that's a very good question and an issue that uh, and a problem that we're not problem but something that we always think about when we develop these games because of course, like it's a fun game and all that, and maybe people will forget. But we always tell them to try to keep engaged through social media, through through whatever other channels um, that we provide, and also not just us, but there are there are also other organizations who are working on this issue um, to keep tabs on on the updates and continue to learn more about coral reefs and marine resources and appreciate. Uh, how how these um, natru- natural wonders, uh, you know, impact our daily lives and at the same time, hopefully give them the chance to to contribute in their own way. When they're back home, um, they can spread the word to their friends. That's the first thing. Um, spread the word to their friends about, you know, the coral reef, about the issues of coral reefs and conservation. Um, and the second one is to start with their daily lives uh, you know, take small steps like reducing plastic, uh, be more um, energy uh, <clears throat> mindful of the things that they consume. For example, um, and then um, the third is to support conservation. Uh, how do you call it? Activities that um, that uh, that they find in their areas. Or for example, for us here in in CTC as well, we. Also, engage people through our like, for example, an adopt a coral program, a coral rehabilitation program where um, the general public can pitch in, um, like adopt a baby coral, and then that goes to rehabilitating coral reefs in one of our sites here in Bali. in So, those are some of the things that they can keep on uh, continue to engage in. Um, we provide them with different ways that they can engage in when they go back um especially if they're tourists when they go back to homes to countries um, how they can continue to keep engaged in the issue and
2: yeah that's it yeah that sounds uh nice <laughs> i wanted to ask you something about um a little paragraph that i read on your website where you state that you plan to influence 1.5 million people by 2025. And I was wondering, is this at a global or local level? And how many people do you estimate to have reached by now?
1: Um, yeah, 1.5 million by 2025 is our ultimate goal. It's basically all for the whole entire organization and that's like local to global. Um, we've um, where um, I think we haven't uh, checked for this year yet, but hopefully I think we are almost. Uh, we so that's five years. That is our our five year target from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty five, and yeah, hopefully we get to reach one hundred. Um, how do how many how many one point five? I can't do my math. One point five divided by by five and. Um, uh, what's this? Oh, uh, we're trying to reach these people through um, online um, events, actually, and social media. Um, apart from the direct impact that we have on the ground, um, like with the communities, with uh, uh, our MBA learning site, our, our MA learning sites. We have seven, um, five in Indonesia, and. Um, two in Timor-Leste, and also our training programs, our leaders, our network. Uh, Yeah, so that's it. It's it's a mix of on the ground outreach, and at the same time, um, online outreach. Uh, This pandemic has given us a lot of tools and a lot of opportunities to work with different organizations who are also very keen to bring the message across using online platforms. And through that, we hope that um, we are able to, um, you know, reach reach this goal that we have. And another thing is that a big uh, big part of the strategy to reach one point five million people is also through our Center for Marine Conservation in Bali, um, which which the escape room is part of. So we have two escape rooms now, and we are building a, an exhibition gallery. At Exhibition hall and a, uh, and a and a gallery where there will be a lot of art exhibits, um, immersive learning programs, uh, and hopefully we will bring in bulk of the people who will come and visit the center um, to to this to this uh, to to help us reach this this goal that we have um, this year because of the COVID pandemic. Like we are focusing more on online outreach but hopefully <clears throat> when things bring, get get normal again or, or back to normal again then we would like to uh, use our Center for Marine conservation as the hub to reach out to these, these people uh, yeah, in the communities through art uh, art exhibitions games, uh, interactive learning, so yeah, I just, like made my, <laughs> I just made my math, and it's like, yes. 300,000 That's 300,000 this year. Um, yeah I think uh, originally the, the idea was to uh, bring a lot of uh, yeah, bring a lot of the tourists in Bali to come to our center uh, to achieve this goal, but because of the pandemic, um, our center is currently uh, closed, which plan to open in the next two months. And so we're shifting the, the outreach more online this year. And thankfully, a lot of um, very good response, actually. And we've been working with so many other organizations who are so eager and so excited and just um, you know, trying to do a lot of online activities, not just training, but also games and webinars and all kinds of, of innovative things. So, Yeah. yeah. Very, I love very it. Very
0: positive to reach this Yes, that's good. It, it's such a creative way as well to spread um, uh, knowledge and information. Mm-hmm. I really like yeah. it. <laughs> and speaking of tourists, um, I've been to Bali myself, and mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. the huge influx of tourists. And I know uh-huh. that there's also been a few issues with, you know, the amount of tourists that are in Bali. Mm-hmm. So, Does Coral Triangle Center work with local tourism businesses to educate tourists to travel more responsibly, or to share knowledge about the damaging effects that diving can have, for instance, on coral reefs?
1: Yeah. Yes. That's um, yeah. um, We actually have a program um, in collaboration with the UN Environment and. um, it's called the Green Fins program. It's a global program that is being implemented by us here in Indonesia, but also other organizations in other countries. Um, Green Fins is a code of conduct for divers and snorkelers to make sure that their impact on the environment is, becomes very minimal. And every, uh, and it, we also it's like a certification program for dive operators and snorkel operators. So we train and assess the dive operators and snorkeling operators who want to be part of the program and train their staff how to become responsible at the same, because we believe that by reaching out to the dive guides, the dive managers, you can actually influence, then influence the guests themselves. So we we start we, we train the dive operators through the to follow the green fence and we've had so far I think certified 30 um, dive operators, um, a lot of them in Bali. Uh, there's also some in like Molu modern, modern National Park and also some somewhere in in our sites in Maluku. And we were hoping to expand this year, but I guess not so much because, um, yeah, a lot of the, the tourism activities have stopped and um, but hopefully next year we can go for it again and, and certify more. Um, and also through our center we host a lot of what we call fun learning classes where tourists come to play games, uh, do coral clay workshops and all that but be, before they actually do the the fun part they receive a little bit of a, like a pep talk or a lecture and we tell them about all these programs and what they can do especially when they're in Bali when they're doing snorkeling and, or diving then these are some of the code of conducts or do's and don'ts that they can they have to keep in mind so as to uh, reduce their negative impact to to the marine environment
0: yeah i think that sounds like a i I think it's needed for sure (laughs) i mean i think some (laughs) tourists who come to bali are maybe more educated about this matter but Mm -hmm. i mean yeah we just we really need to spread information about this
1: yeah it's just a The way we work is we try to influence the tourist himself, but also the operators is very keen to ensure because the operators, a lot of tourists also come, you know, on on pre-identified itineraries or pre-identified activities. And so working with the operators, make sure that plan is already in place so that they reduce their impact. Uh, Not so much, uh, and, and also like, you know, the The operators can guide the, the tourists themselves on what to do, what not to do, and things like that. So we work a lot with with the, the tour operators, the tour guides, uh, the dive guides, the dive managers, and the shops um, to help us, you know, amplify the message uh, across their their uh, their guests. So. And of course, we also work with the government <laughs> to make sure yeah. that um, things are in place. Because, uh, like for example, our work is really like on-site work in, in Bali is in Nusa Penida Marine Protected Area, which is um, which is one of the most popular sites in Bali for snorkeling and diving. And so we work with with the government there. Uh, we can uh, we can uh, help them conduct uh, regular patrols. To make sure that um, so there's a, the, this this is a marine protected area, right? So there is a zoning plan and things that you can do in certain areas and things that you cannot do in certain areas. Um, and we support the the government in making sure that this zoning plan is implemented so that um, activities that are not allowed in certain zones do not happen. It is only in this particular area. So yeah, we also I- work with the private sector to make sure that they're key they're they're one of the one of the one of our biggest partners in ensuring that um, you know sustainable tourism is pushed um, in Bali supported.
0: yeah yeah i'm happy to hear that there's a lot of progress especially in Nusa Penida <laughs> because i was there i think 3 years ago and tourism wasn't mm-hmm. in- very developed I mean it was kind of on its way and then like Mm -hmm. flash forward to now or just like six months ago Nusa Penida is probably one of the most popular places to go so it's because of the
1: Instagram boom I think Nusa (laughs) Penida is like yeah I (laughs) know I think like when Instagrammers found out about Nusa Penida like suddenly everybody wanted to go to Nusa (laughs) Penida
2: I know
0: yeah Instagram um, is evil in that sense (laughs) No, <laughs> but, you know, I mean,
1: it's, 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 uh, it's a nice, it, it's, it shows you the power of social media as well in, in, in making, breaking a particular area. So as much as possible, we also push out our content in, in, in social media or or these channels to, to make sure that, you know, if you're looking specifically something, you also have to make, like, you know, try to take care of, that, of, the, of the area that to, to ensure that it stays that way for years to come. Like if like if it stays, this way, it's it's it looks really beautiful. But when people come next year, it's like it's not that anymore because of all of the, all you know. There's a tendency that you know so many people, so the many people coming and, and end up
0: uh, destroying the place where it's supposed to be that yeah. attraction. For sure, social media has like two sides. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so. What lies Did in the you future? go diving, by the way, when you were in Nusa or did you no, go snorkeling? I didn't. I didn't because when I was there, like I said, like it was like it was tourism was kind of developing, but it wasn't like, you know, like all of these advertisements like you can snorkel. You can do this. It was more like, oh, you should rent the motorbike and just drive around the island. Mm-hmm. And it was, oh, it was so beautiful. I miss it. I miss Indonesia in general. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's great, but you now, should come back. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's very interesting, like, because there are three islands, right? So it's next to each other. So you have and Nusapanida. And yeah, Nusapanida is um, kind of the least developed among the three at the time, a few years ago. But now it's like everyone's looking at Nusapanida,
0: which is super popular. Yeah. Um, and it's super pretty, so I really understand why. I mean, it's it has a it, <laughs> you, know, you
1: can do like you can do both. It can be it can be very pretty on land. It can also be very beautiful underwater. So we yeah. try to keep that balance and make sure that you know, it stays that way. Yeah, I and um, we're also working on on a more what do you call it from on a policy level working try to um, do a study on. Carrying capacity for especially for the marine side, like the land tourism um the government's really taking care of that, and there's a lot to do with as well with safety issues like you know people like taking selfies and um, falling off <laughs> so yeah um, <laughs> you know things like that, but at the same time in and, um, and on the on the water side like there is there's also a big increase in the number of smart and divers. And, We need to do a scientific study on whether, what is the actual uh, level carrying capacity uh, for particular dive sites in particular areas so that we don't actually disturb, especially the um, charismatic marine animals that people actually come to see, like, for example, the mantas and the molas. And if there's too many people every day going to see them, then it would also be. Um, it will also give a neg- it will also result a negative impact on on their habitats. Yeah, hopefully sure. we can try to do this study in the next um, few months or years, depending on how the
0: conditions
1: post pandemic will
0: pan yeah. out. Yeah, and so what lies in the future for Coral Triangle Center? Um, <laughs> a
1: lot. Um, again, like yeah, we're we're focused on this goal of one point five million by twenty twenty five. We are building the phase three of our center for marine conservation in Bali. Um, as I said, as I mentioned, that includes an exhibit hall, um, where there will be interactive exhibits for different sectors, from kids, families. Um, and managers, technical people, and bring the message across through that. We're also ramping up our online presence um, to spread our message online. And we are also working to um, strengthen our sites, uh, marine protected areas where we work in, in Indonesia as well as in Timor-Leste and hopefully maybe expand to a couple more sites in the Coral triangle. We're also working with our network of women leaders um, across the Coral triangle and helping uh, build leadership skills for women who are involved in marine conservation. Uh, A lot of women uh, are involved in marine conservation, but they need uh, to build their skills so that they can actually take a more leading role uh, and have their voice heard uh, in decision making and policy making. When it comes to marine resource policy making and decision making, so those are some of the things that are in the pipeline for us. Um, we just finished our five year strategy <laughs> 2020 to 2025, so it's a lot on our plate, but all very exciting and very, uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully, we can achieve all these goals that we've set out in the next five years and yeah that's it <laughs> inspire more people to save oceans uh, as what our brand promise is
2: yeah and deliver on that so leilani to wrap things up there are two questions that we always ask our speakers at the end of each podcast and the first question is you have to fill it in, and is the most important thing I can do to help the planet achieve sustainability. Is um, sorry, can you say that again? Yeah, of course. The first question <laughs> you have to fill it in at the end, and yeah, okay. is, the most important thing I can do to help the planet achieve sustainability is. Is to start with myself, um,
1: make conscious decisions about um, the things that I do every day, um, live a uh, sustainability-focused lifestyle, be conscious of what I buy, what I consume, uh, the things that I the, the things that I support, uh, maybe online or through. Um, you know the 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 things that i that i buy or uh, recommend to people so basically it starts with me and the the decision that i make and it's important that um we spread awareness and consciousness about um, sustainable living the sustainability of the planet and what it means to us individually so then we can change behaviors and Once um, we get that mass of people who are aware and who are taking action by themselves, I think we're gonna go towards
2: the right direction. That's a great answer. And finally, what is a positive message that you want to communicate to our listeners?
1: Um, No small act. No act is too small. So no act is too small. Um, Can start very, you know. With, um, for example, the plastic issue, it's very—it's uh, a very tangible issue that everybody can relate to. Um, by refusing single-use plastics um, in your daily lives, when you do takeaway, when you have food delivery, and then by taking that small step, you can compound that. Start doing more, a little bit more. Uh, tell your friends about it, okay? And then, uh, then support uh, bigger. Organi- bigger, bigger causes, for bigger projects. Support organizations who are actually um, working on the ground, for example. And then later on, um, you can go higher when it comes to, when it comes to, like, say, policy making. Um, support leaders or support um, policy programs in your areas that are pro sustainability, um, that are, for example, in the plastics. Um, uh, you know, that are supporting um uh, alternative use alternative packaging for example in your area so um this uh issue of ocean plastic pollution can be you know reduced or can be used. so yeah you can go from one small step and then it can go you can go step by step yeah, start it's with like one a
0: pyramid small action
1: <laughs> start with one single action um, yeah, yeah it, it cannot be too small uh, it It's never too small, so if if we all do that one act.
2: Thank you very much, Leilani, for today's chat. We're so grateful that organizations like Coral Triangle Center continue to inspire and train generations into becoming more mindful with our coastal ecosystems. If you want to be updated on Coral Triangle Center and their work, then make sure to check out their Instagram account at Coral Triangle Center or their website CoralTriangleCenter.org. Want to learn more about coral reefs and how you can protect them? Please make sure to click on that subscribe button and stay tuned for our next episode.